This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This week's episode of Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by the North American Marlon Brando Lookalike Association. Instead, it's brought to you by our advertisers. Uh, in order to support our show, of course, we need the help of those advertisers. And in order to find those advertisers, we need to learn a little bit more about you. So please go to podsurvey.com sideways. You can take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little better. And that way we can show our advertisers just how great our listeners are and what they're interested in. And even if you've taken a podcast listener survey before, this one is specific to our show, so we really do need to take it. Uh, And also, a little bonus here, once you've completed the survey, you can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card. So again, that's podsurvey.com slash sideways, P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot com slash sideways. Thanks for your help. Thinking Sideways. Brought the aliens. You must unlearn what you have I don't know. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hey there, and welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I, of course, am Steve, as usual, joined by... Devin. And Joe. Hi. Hey, and once again, we have another mystery for you. This week, we, it's, uh, as I always do, I'm pulling from the listener suggestions, and this was suggested by Adam and Matt originally, and I'm sure a bunch of other people, but we didn't have room for your name in the list. But the story that we're going to talk about this week, as Joe has dubbed it, is the murders of Mary Morris. Good one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually possible to murder somebody more than once. It turns well, out. It yeah. sort of sounds that way. So let's just hop right into our mystery. Okay. 
Our mystery begins on Thursday, October 12th in 2000. A 48-year-old woman named Mary Henderson Morris got up for a normal work day at her job at Chase Bank on the west side of Houston, Texas. Her husband, Jay, walked her out to her Chevy Lumina at 6 a.m. when she typically left, and he watched her drive out of the driveway, turn onto the road, and presumably drive off to the place where she normally stopped to get gas in the morning. Why did he walk her to her car? Because that's just something they did. Okay. It's probably, you know, walk out in the... Some folks do that. They walk their, their spouse out to their car and give them their coffee and a, a kiss and a hug and yeah. it's, off they go. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. Unlike Maybe. me who just grumpily like rolls in out of my bed and into the car. And so, yeah. And your boyfriend says, don't get killed. Yeah. You say, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So he, he watches her drive away from their home in Burnett Bay She may have been seen at a gas station shortly after she left her home. And that gas station was at the uh, junction of uh, Interstate 10 and Thompson Road. There's a bunch of gas stations right in that area. But Mm. she, from there, presumably would have gone on her normal drive heading west across the city to where her job was. She never got there? Well, the thing is, is that Mary and Jay were, they were very close, as we've realized from his walking her out every morning, and they, they would talk on the phone several times a day, but he made several calls to her cell phone, and she never answered, and she thought something was a little off about that, but, mm. you know, it's maybe it's a big day, busy day, whatever, except that at about 2 o'clock, somebody called the house looking for Mary, and not knowing who it was, Jay just said, well, she's at work. He would later learn that that person was actually from Chase trying to find out where their employee was. It, it seems like they would identify themselves, though, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like they would say, yeah, that's what I was hello, husband of our employee. This is your wife's employer. We are just wondering where your wife is. If it was a certain level of manager, I could see that. If it was a certain uh employee that was, say, in charge of employee scheduling and why hasn't this person showed up and I'm always calling on these yahoos who don't show up, maybe not so much. I just feel, yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, I get, I, I get you. I'm not, yeah. I'm not in disagreement. That's okay, weird. So, they didn't identify themselves. So at two. So at two, this person calls but doesn't identify themselves. Uh, after, a, after, I think it's about four o'clock, you know, Jay and uh, Mary's daughter, Marilyn, they're getting worried. Where is she? She hasn't come home. Eventually, they find her cell phone in the house. So now they're thinking, oh, God, she's been in a car accident or broken down. Was it set to vibrate, I hope? I'm presuming. It must have been, I hope. (laughs) Yeah, you would hope. But at this point, they're thinking, well, something's gone wrong and she can't get a hold of us. So at about 5 o'clock, Jay calls the police and he reports her as missing. At about that same time, the sheriff's department, they get a call about an abandoned vehicle that's been burned. That car, which is about 3 miles, uh, or that equates to about 5 kilometers east of of Mary and Jay's home... Which is the opposite direction of where she worked. Absolutely correct. Okay. She worked on the west side of town. Right. This car is east of where they live. Okay. The the call comes. Uh, the the cops get this call about this burned out vehicle. Well, earlier in the day, the fire department had actually got called for smoke in that same area. The call had come in at about ten twenty a.m. The fire department said it looked like it was burning leaves. It's uh, you know it's October. 
that people are burning leaves. Yeah. So they, they didn't bother to investigate. But that burning leaves usually smell like burning rubber? Uh, well, burning leaves tend to be very smoky. I am pretty mm. sure is what that boils down to. But the, the yeah. long and the short of it is, is that the fire department doesn't go check it out. But when the cops go to check out this burned vehicle, what they find is a vehicle that has apparently been soaked in some kind of accelerant and lit on fire. And the fire has been so intense that it has melted every piece of rubber on the vehicle. Like the tires came off of the wow. car. The, the the heat was so intense. Mm. Inside of the vehicle... That's been a good accelerant. I gotta get some of that stuff. It, it must have been. But inside of the car, they find a body. And they don't know who it is, but eventually, what they're able to do using tooth fragments that they reconstruct, they determine that indeed it is Mary's body. Hmm. Or so, somebody's body. Well, no, it's Mary because it's her teeth in her skull. Mm-hmm. So they know it's her. Well, you know, somebody could have put them there but okay oh you two cut it out (laughs) right away and you're already doing this too we just monkeying around on things yeah because you Uh, never do that to us nope never i am i am an upstanding mystery citizen Mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. don't do that kind of stuff she's alive on an island with dorothy nope so anyway she does not go to dorothy island she is indeed found in the car like I said, they don't know, uh, they, they figure it out, but because of the fire, they don't know what the cause of death is. I mean, her body has been burned so severely. Maybe smoke inhalation? There is nothing about Mary's life, though, that is an apparent motive for why someone would want to do something like this to her. I mean, the, the, the police said the only thing they can f- confirm that are missing is her purse and her wedding ring. But could they actually confirm that the purse was missing? I am a, I, ha- I thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. I have to guess that they would have found a pile of melted whatever the material is and the plastics that your credit cards and all yeah, of that okay. stuff are yeah, made up in your ID. metal things that hold the handle to the purse and okay. stuff. Yeah, yeah that all, okay. there should have been a pile of that detritus and there wasn't. Or debris, not detritus, mm. but of debris. So that's why I'm th- I thought the same thing. And now, uh, other question, uh, crime scene, no gas can or anything like that was found in or near the vehicle? Not that I know of. Hmm, okay. So like I said, though, is that, you know, we just discussed the purse, but also her wedding ring. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about her wedding ring more in detail later, because that is something that people point at as kind of a seedy or nefarious thing, and we'll, we'll deal with that when the time comes. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you now, though, that the next thing that I'm going to say, which happens a day or so after Mary's body is found, is always referred to as... Alleged, in other words, this is something that I cannot confirm, but I have to share it because it's in all of the stories. And that is that supposedly, supposedly, allegedly, somebody called the Houston Chronicle and they said something to the effect of they got the wrong Mary Morris. Ostensibly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's the word you were looking for. It is. Oh, of course. That's always the word. Now, I think it goes without saying that. Obviously, Jay and Marilyn, they're both devastated by Mary's death because there's there's nothing that seems to have motivated this. It seems very random. She didn't live any kind of crazy life. Oh, but she did work for a bank. She did work for a bank, but it wasn't as if it was a really crazy crash time. Yeah, true. So after her funeral, Marilyn, her daughter, calls the medical examiner's office. This is on the 16th of October to see about picking up her mother's effects. 
At which point they told her that uh, the effects and the body would be available at the same time, which freaked her out because they've just had the funeral and she can't understand what they're talking about. And so she goes down there. Did she go dig up the coffin? No, she She goes down to the medical examiner's office Ah. and they show her a body, Hmm. which is not her mother. Is it Mary Morris, though? It is indeed Mary Morris. Huh. Hmm. It is Mary McGinnis Morris. So we have two Mary Morrises. Mary McGinnis Morris is a 39-year-old wife and mother who also lived in the greater Houston area. She didn't know Mary Henderson Morris at all. Um, The the two didn't know each other. Maybe for the sake of easiness, it might be easier to call them Mary 1 and Mary 2. I think I'm going to stick with Henderson and McGinnis. Okay. Okay? It's going to be better because 1 and 2 is easy for me to confuse. McGinnis lived about 10 miles away from Henderson. McGinnis originally was from West Virginia, but she had moved to the area in 1998 to take a job with Union Carbide. She was a nurse practitioner, and she had taken the position of medical director with that company, so she had moved there for that job. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a good job. On October 15th, which was a Sunday, McGinnis ran a number of errands. Uh, You know, it's kind of a normal Sunday. She made a couple of different stops before she stopped off at Union Carbide to give a flu shot to her friend, Lori Gemmel. And from there, she went to the Ecker Drugstore, where at about 5.30 at night, she called Lori and told her she saw someone who was giving her the creeps and said she was going to go back to the office and log out of her computer and then head home. About 12 minutes later, a call comes in to 911 from McGinnis, and she is, as reported, she's in a frantic state. We don't know what's said on the call. We don't know what's heard on that call because that call has never been released. But that's the last contact that anybody can record a contact of Mary McGinnis. And we don't know if she logged out of her computer. We don't. So we don't know if she probably didn't make it to work, but maybe she I would did. presume her work was about a five plus mile drive away from the Eckerd, if I oh, remember okay. right. Or so no, where she where she was found was a at least a five minute or more drive from Eckerd. So mm. for her to have been able to get back to work and then to that spot Seems like a stretch to think she'd ever got back to work. Yeah, or she got back to work, logged out, back to the parking lot, then called 911. Uh, that doesn't really matter. I'm just, I was just wondering how close, if any, she got to work at I, all. But, I don't yeah. think that she did. McGinnis's husband, Mike Morris, he reported her missing that evening when she didn't come home. He said that he uh, tried to call her continually, but he never got an answer. And it was, but it was ringing. It mm-hmm. wasn't straight to voicemail. It, it was ringing, okay. and then would eventually. Uh, you know what? Actually, I don't know that it ever actually went to voicemail. Based okay. on some stuff we're going to talk about in a okay. bit. And now, uh, when Mike called, he called nine one one also to report her missing. I believe he called the sheriff's department. Uh, Most people don't call nine one one to make a missing persons report. Yeah. So I imagine that he actually p- called the sheriff's department directly. So at that time, they were either unaware of the nine one one call she had made or the connection. I think they were unaware of the connection between the two. Yeah, it sounds like. Yeah. Mm. We don't know exactly what happened from the time that that nine one one call ended and until the time of her death. 
What we do know is that the next day, someone spotted McGinnis's Dodge Intrepid on West Little York Street, which is near Highway 290. So it's kind oh, yeah. of a cloverleaf no, that's and spot. offshoot. Yeah, no, yeah you really. totally know that area. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the car was found, uh, like I said, it was less than five miles away from where the drugstore that she had uh, talked to Lori was at, the Eckerd. And when officers found her body, it was in the car with the passenger's door open. It was apparent that she had been beaten, but the scene was staged to look like she had committed suicide. Or she did commit suicide. Maybe. Yeah. The, the gun that was in her hand, the gun that was used to kill her, whether she did it herself or someone else did, was a, the family's gun. It was registered to her husband, Mike. And forensic tests would later confirm two different things. One, that she had been gagged, and two, that she had indeed been, as I said, shot with that specific gun. So they, uh -huh. they had done ballistics to confirm that was the one that did it. And uh, shot where? In the head. Uh, like under the throat, between the eyes, in the back of the head? To look head. like... So I don't know the exact location because that is not given away in any of the reporting. But ah, to yes. be apparent, uh, to stage like a suicide, it has to be either under the chin or through the side of the temple would be my guess. Or in the mouth, maybe. Yeah, that's, you know. yeah, that's, I, I consider that an under the chin very similar. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the, those are the things. But it's staged to be like a suicide. We can guess it probably wasn't in the mouth if she was gagged. It's, if she was gagged and then shot and the gag was removed, yes. If the gag was removed and then she was shot, no. All right. Yeah. So they, Stupid they were able ordering. To, yeah, yeah. So she wasn't gagged when they found her body, though, right? They just were, just were able to tell from ligature marks Correct. that she had been gagged okay. previously. Correct. Okay. They could tell. They could tell she had been hit a number of times. That's why it's referred to as being beaten. Yeah. And that she had a gag in her mouth at some point. at some point okay. before her death. And then time of death was determined to be what? Do not know. Okay. Uh, it's it's. I'm guessing the window is somewhere shortly after the 911 call. I mean, for all I know, all any of us know, the 911 call recorded the shot that killed her. Don't mm. know, but it's. I think it's always presumed that it's right around the time frame that 5:40 time frame. I think 5:42 is the log time of the 911 call. One would guess that there would be mention of the shot that killed her being heard nah, they on the 911 really call. Stuff. I don't know. So the thing with the 911 call is that the law enforcement agency, the sheriff's department said it was so disturbing that they did not want to release huh. it and its contents to the public. Okay, so well, maybe it is the I, shot. Yeah. I can't say. Yeah. Uh -huh. To parent almost every single place that you'll see this on, Mary Henderson Morris, like I said before, had almost nothing in her life that could have led to her demise in that way. Mary McGinnis Morris, however, did have a number of different things that could have led to the scenario where she lost her life. So let's talk about several of the, the things in Mary McGinnis Morris's life that seem to point suspect at who or what may have caused her death. Okay. The first one is a gentleman by the name of Dwayne. Uh, I'm not going to use his last name. You can find it on the internet if you really want, but he's he's gone through a lot about this. But sometime in the beginning of 2000, 
Union Carbide hired a male nurse and to what degree I don't know this took place, but apparently he and McGinnis did not get along and they clashed. Well, you know, it sounds like actually they were friendly at first, uh, but things kind of went south maybe. Yeah, you know, there there are things about her that seem a bit prickly in time, so I could see that how that could be. Mm. I, I don't know. That's the hard part is that when it's it becomes a he said, she said scenario, at, you know, after events like this take place. But the, the long and the short of it is that they they were they did not get along i don't know whether it was that he questioned her in front of other staff or if he went around her directly to upper management and questioned her ability at her job but either way they were not on good terms mm. she was not happy with him McGinnis had told people after their their spats were going on and, and all of the tension, she had told people that she believed that Dwayne was capable of hurting her. Well, of course he was. He was a guy. And, well, there's that. And according to her husband, Mike, it's around the time that all of the clashes were happening that she asked him for his gun as well as lessons and then started carrying that gun in the car with her underneath the seat. And that was according to just Mike or according to... So other people knew that she was carrying the gun. This is this thing that I don't get sometimes is people are carrying a gun for their protection and they tell everybody they've got the gun there. Yeah, Um, I would would tell somebody I had a gun hidden in my car, tell them where it is and all that stuff. Yeah, so... But but yes, people knew that she was was packing. She also had told people that she was going to stop carrying the gun, but... Mike says that she never had any, she never said that to him. And he, as far as he knew, she had no intention to stop mm. carrying that. The, the the tension between Dwayne and McGinnis reached a climax on the 13th of Friday in 2000 when she came into her office and she found that things were wrong. And by that, I mean, depending on the accountings, she found some of her stuff had been moved around and the pictures on her desk had been turned around. Or there's other accounts that basically imply that her desk was completely and utterly destroyed and everything was knocked around. Cool. It's kind of psycho. It's up to you. To, yeah, well, it depends on how they're trying to portray, portray Dwayne, I feel. But the thing that really gets Dwayne in trouble here is that written on a desk calendar on another desk, which we have to presume is his, are the words, death to her. Mm. I... I uh, I gotta say that uh, sounds like a frame up to me. Yeah, you know I saying? mean that's super psycho behavior. <laughs> well, it's either super psycho on his part or her part. Yeah, on because, either part. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I mean, I, frankly, you know, I mean, if I'm planning on like stalking and murdering somebody, I don't write death threats on my desk calendar at work. Or yeah, you or know, anything else like that. It sounds to me like somebody was trying to get somebody fired. I would also, you know? but I would also mention. I don't know if this is the appropriate time to have this discussion or not, but I will just say that. Um, you know, she called her friend, who presumably also Lori. knew Dwayne. Yep. And she said, they, some they guy, right, she said, some guy is giving me the creeps, not, oh, crap, Dwayne is here, and he looks like a psychopath. I mean, if he were actually following her, if it was him personally, one would suspect that she would just name him. Lori outright. has said that 
McGinnis told her at the on that call from mm-hmm. the Eckerd drugstore that she thought the man she recognized him, and it's implied that he may have been a friend of Dwayne's. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there's there's there again the people will keep working the connections back and back into okay. place. Of course, that does seem like a lot of people want to believe Dwayne did something here. There's a lot of people who want to believe several people are guilty every time. Yeah. Uh, there, there are there are people really working to pin this on certain individuals. I'm just going to go ahead and say one final thought before we move on, and yeah. that is not only is that an insane level of crazy for Dwayne to be over a job to like potentially murder someone, but to also rope in one of his friends to be like, oh my God, I hate this woman at work so much. I hate my boss so much that I'm going to murder her. Or why hire don't you, you to murder her. Why don't you come in on it with me? That's, that's uh, an even next level of insanity. Well, that's, that's called you know, like, like creating more witnesses. Yeah. yeah and more and guys we know how Joe turn. feels about that. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. We do. Leave no witnesses yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. I'm so done, she sorry. she finds the note. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go back to that. She oh, finds yeah, yeah. the note. Death to her. Death to her. She freaks out. I personally think that she was trying to get a PTO day because she gets the rest of the day off. Ah, I think I remember and that. Her boss, her bosses tell her not to come in on the next day uh, at all. Later that day, Dwayne comes in. He sa- apparently was going to come in to either submit or to check that his time card had gone in to be submitted for pay. Mm-hmm. It's at that point that he is confronted about this whole thing with McGinnis on the desk calendar. Her desk, depending on the accountings, the the level of the escalation of this varies, but he is confronted. He is uh, then escorted out of the building and told not to return. Hmm. He's not actually fired just so you know, because he didn't work directly for Union Carbide, apparently. He worked for a a contracting company. Mm -hmm. And so after a period of time, he was transferred to another facility. So he didn't actually get fired, though it's always referred to as fired. If you read the post from Dwayne himself, he explains that part of it. Uh-huh. So but they he, tell him not to come back. So he didn't lose his job? He didn't lose his job. Well, that's good because, frankly, you know, I, I think that uh, it very likely was not him who scrolled the death threat. Well, we don't even likely. know if the death threat, Joe, and I'm, we're going to talk yeah. about that later. But yeah, that's not even really a death threat. That's just like a weird a scrawling. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and it was Friday the 13th, let's not forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's also, in the, the depending on the version you read, it's there's something to the effect of after they escort Dwayne out of the building, he's at the window banging at mm. it, screaming to talk to Mary McGinnis Morris. I just generally... just way more out there. I just generally don't believe that people are that crazy. I mean, yes, there are like people that are that crazy in this world, but generally speaking, I feel like you would, you know, at this point in the story, we'd be saying, and here's the insane history of Dwayne and his life and and how he's been an insane person his entire life. Although in fairness, you know, I mean, you're talking a building, he can't come back in the door because he's told he's not welcome there, Mm -hmm. but he wants to talk to Mary. It's one of those, one of those big ones with not opening windows. 
He's banging on the windows, which are thick, by the way, trying to get somebody's attention. And then he has to, in order to make his voice heard, he's got to scream. He's got to yell, "I want to talk to Mary," mm-hmm. you know. And it guess, and it doesn't mean he's gone nuts. It might just mean he thinks she's he's still trying around to be and, heard, and he yeah. would like to speak with her. So you know? I was going to talk about this later on, but we'll just talk about this real briefly now. Which is depend, like I said, depending on the version that you hear. That's are you going to talk about hear. the car chases? No, there's no car chases. No, there were actually reportedly like about 17 high-speed car chases in the Houston area. Uh, a lot of explosions. Three buildings burned to the ground about this time. You didn't hear about any of this? This is part of the whole killer cyborg from the future theory. You're not going to talk about that at all? No. Oh. No, I'm not. Oh, okay, fine. No, what, what I was going to talk about was... We'll talk about it later then, for Christ's sakes. Okay. No, what I was going to talk about is the fact that... Dwayne has been very vocal and he's gone on the internet about this, but what seems to have prompted him to do so is the fact that this particular story was covered by Unsolved Mysteries back in 2002. Mm. And yes, I know I did two Unsolved Mystery episodes in a row. I'm really trying to screw with people until they're all available on the internet. So Amazon take the hint, Mm -hmm. but this is on there, and in that episode, the actor who portrays him does a bit of an over-the-top job of, mm. of acting out his part of banging on the windows and screaming for her, mm. and that seems to have set him off on his campaign of self-defense, which you will find on many, many boards. Okay. Mm. All right, well, let's go, uh, let's move forward from the, that possible reason that would have uh, created the situation that Mary McGinnis Morris could have been killed. And uh, so, the, so Dwayne wanted to, like, you know, murder her. For everything that happened at the job. Mm. The second possible thing in her life that could have set this situation up is potentially a affair and a marriage that was on the rocks. When Mike and uh, Mary McGinnis Morris moved to the area, like I said, she came for that job. Her husband, Mike, didn't. And I don't know if he had a job and he lost it or he just never got one, but he seems to have had some issues in securing employment hmm. for two years. Well. That's a long time. It's it long is, time. and that, that does some terrible things to, to a person when you're trying to find work for, sure. for that long. Oh, yeah. They have a teenage daughter, so I know that he probably you know spent a lot of time with her daughter because he could, but there is also accusations of infidelity. He suspected that his wife was having an affair, and he says when he confronted them, they looked him in the eye and convinced him that there was nothing untoward going on. Yeah, sure. They? They. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the second person in the they is, but I also know that some places you'll read that say that McGinnis had confided in friends that she had found somebody and she was in love, but she wasn't going to leave Mike because of her daughter. She wasn't willing to split the, the marriage up. People do that. They put their own happiness bef- uh, after that of their children in the security, which is normal. Yeah. But that appears to be what she said she was doing it. Well, I mean, but, you know, there's also like puppy love crushes. I mean, if when you're with yes. somebody for 30, 40 years, if you're, you're going to find a person every once in a while, you're attracted to that person. But 
when you're married yeah. and you can make your commitment to the marriage. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you're bright enough by the time you reach that age, you're not going to actually, you know, move we, yeah. on that. Run the after thing. the yeah. first yeah. thing that seems, you know, sparkly Hopefully, fun. Yeah. Enough brains not to do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's a 39 year old lady. She yeah. should, should know, know better. better. Yeah. But it sounds like she did. Maybe. Yeah. At yeah, least vocally it, to her friends. It does. But Mike didn't entirely appear to trust her, though he said mm-hmm. he did because he was known mm-hmm. to follow her around. Mm-hmm. I know you think that's... Which is not creepy at all. I think, sign of, yeah. Sign of a very normal, loving relationship. Yep. I do it to my wife all the time, honey. It's not really me, I swear. Okay. Um, I'm going yeah. to have to have a little conversation with your wife. Yeah, don't do yeah. that. Actually, with uh, you know the modern electronic devices, you don't even need to follow people around physically anymore. You can, mm-hmm. you can really monitor the crap out of somebody. Yeah, you really just can. Just through their phone. Yeah, and what's that thing you put on your keychain you can just toss that in somebody's car and track it yeah yeah you don't even need to do that you just have to like convince them it's a good idea to have the find my friends part activated oh yeah that's true that's true well i'm really dumb i'm really bad at convincing people to use other technology so hiding technology is is my that's a lot easier way to go yeah okay final final thing whether it is mike or somebody else, which it possibly could be, the final thing about Mary McGinnis Morris that could have put her into this situation is that she had a rather sizable life insurance policy. It was somewhere, depending on the two, the, the source, between five hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars. What is that in today's money? Like five hundred and five thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, Joe's pretty right. Yeah, There's not okay. much maybe, between maybe a little now. more. It's only okay, the year two thousand, okay. so that's not that best. That's it, like almost twenty years ago. Just no, so there you know. is a difference, though. So, yeah. yeah, but it's not a huge difference. Yeah, not as huge. Yeah. Now, why exactly? I mean, well, it seems pretty obvious why that would matter, but we're going to delve into some of the reasons of why that five hundred to $700,000 really could have been really, really important here. Well, geez, I wonder why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go jump on the internet and I'm going to research why five hundred to $700,000 in life insurance is important. Uh, so while I'm doing that, let's take a quick break. All right. Hey, folks, if you watch TV, then you probably know that your town has at least two mattress store chains. And if there's one thing those guys have in common, it's that their commercials are all really annoying. Wouldn't you like to see those commercials go away? Well, now you can make that happen and get a great night's sleep while you're at it. Thanks to the folks at Casper, there's a whole new mattress game in town. Casper Mattress was named by Time Magazine as one of the best inventions of 2015. And there's a reason for it. They're very well engineered with memory foam to create a great sleep surface, which I really love. I have a Casper mattress, and it's great. It's the best mattress I've ever had. So you can order one today, risk-free, for 100 nights from their website. You click here, click there, type in a few things. You know the drill. And your new Casper mattress will be delivered to your door. Try it out for a few weeks or months, and if you don't love it, which I doubt, but if you don't, Casper will pick it up. No cost to you and refund all your money. Casper offers no cost shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. With over 20,000 reviews and 4.8 stars, they're on their way to become the Internet's favorite mattress, and I know it's my favorite. So get 50 bucks off towards any mattress purchase by going to www.casper.com sideways and using the offer code sideways. That's www.casper.com sideways. And remember that offer code sideways. So, put an annoying mattress store out of business and get a great night's sleep with Casper. And we're back. 
And it turns out it's important because it's five hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars, and I don't know how I didn't figure that out the first time. Yeah. So it's five hundred to seven, depending on how she died or what. Depending on the policy and the reporting that you look at, that's where the the, the variance uh, and the figure is. Uh, it's either five hundred or seven hundred. Well, half a million dollars is half a million dollars. I mean, it's a half a million reasons. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, I'd kill. I mean, I mean, I. No, no, of course not. No, you wouldn't no, do you that. Wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. No. You'd blame it on Shoopy. You're not no. secretly a murderer. No. No. So let's go ahead and get into theories. All right. Theory number one, which is the internet's most popular theory, which one is, is that, that this was totally a hit gone wrong. Uh-huh. Or a killer cyborg. No, no, not killer cyborg. Okay. you got to stop inserting no, no that one. No killer cyborg from the future? Nope, nope. This is not Terminator. Oh, uh, yeah, they got the wrong Mary Morris. That's yeah. where you're going with uh-huh. this. Now I see what you're doing. He just decided, I don't know, all I got is a name, so I'll just get the phone book out. And, yeah. No, Arnold is not involved. Damn it. Nope. T- no T-9000s. Okay, so the theory is that someone, be it Mike or Dwayne or somebody else, they put out a, a hit on Mary McGinnis Morris. Mm. It turns out that th- whoever did this hired the hitman equivalent of Mr. Magoo. Yeah. And that person killed Mary Henderson Morris instead of Mary McGinnis Morris in the ma- mistaken belief they'd had they got the right person. And then when they figured out they had killed the wrong person, they went back to then do the job right, which is why Mary McGinnis Morris was subsequently killed. Well, they mm-hmm. don't... I mean, they're both white women, approximately mm-hmm. the same height, approximately the same build. Ten years apart, less than ten years apart. About the same hair color, too, yep, even. same hair length, basically, as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, they look pretty similar. They drove mm-hmm. cars that, though they were different makes from different manufacturers... They look similar, too. They were very similar, basic, blah sedans. Yeah. Same, were they the same color and everything? I can't remember the color, but I know that um, so Henderson 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 had a Chevy Lumina. Oh, so was she the first one or the second yes, one? Yes, Mary Henderson McGin- Morris had the Lumina. Okay, and then Mary McGinnis Morris had a Dodge. Was it an Intrepid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, if you look at the the those models in say uh, within a four year age time bracket of the year two thousand, they look basically the same. Mm. They're just as I refer to them, blah sedans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all look the same. So there's there's nothing really distinct. So that's what this is based on. This theory then instantly splits into several sub theories. Before we hit those sub theories, though. There's there's something that you'll always see in the reading, which I don't completely agree with, but that that reading will always say that uh, point out how Mary Henderson Morris's wedding ring was missing, mm-hmm. and it will also say that that is typically done because supposedly hitmen take the wedding ring of the person they're killing to prove that the hit happened. I thought it I was their heads. Or yeah, their hands. I, or a finger. Or an or, eyeball. Okay. I, uh, you know, frankly, I don't see the point to it because, I mean, you know, you're going to find, if you read the papers, you'll find out whether he succeeded or not, yeah. right? In Hollywood, this makes sense. In a situation where it's a drug kingpin trying to track down a snitch who is in hiding and you have to bring back proof of the kill, maybe I could see that. Well, but, but even for a then... man that goes to bed every night with that woman... 
Yeah, well, but I mean, even then it's like, uh, it's not, it's a ring. It comes off a person's live body. It's not, there's no proof in anything on a wedding ring. And furthermore, the fact that her purse and her wedding ring were missing just means that somebody wanted a little extra dough on the side. Could be that. Because you could just pawn all that stuff off. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that they took it as a token to like prove that they had successfully done something. That's silly. And also, by the way, uh, well, people take their wedding rings off from time to time. And not not because they're screwing around. Maybe they're cleaning or whatever. Yeah, no, I take a um, shower, I take mine off, and then I've forgotten it. And hours later, I'm like, oh, crap. I guess I'm not married. uh, (laughs) Finally. Yeah, right on. Uh, But but the wedding ring, was it ever found? Uh Uh-uh. Never yeah. found. Uh, Never located. I uh, guess one possibility, I don't know. I'm sorry. Again, we could be just jumping the gun here a little bit. But I guess one possibility is since the car was so destroyed, the perp thought that it probably would make it much harder to identify the body if he took the wedding ring and the purse with uh, him. Right? Because they wouldn't melt as much. So if you know, the they were able to say like, melt. oh, that's yeah. the wedding ring. That's her wedding ring. Those or, are the stones. Yeah, if things like didn't yeah. melt or, or didn't burn as much. Did you know, did they say anything about finding like, say, a gold nugget in the car? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> didn't talk about the, the Yeah, no, right. We did find the gold, gold nugget. nugget in yeah. her car. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I have some, I have some very, I personally have different feelings as to why Henderson's car was burned, but we'll talk about that later. Okay. But, um, like I said, it doesn't make any sense that if you're the guy that goes to bed with this woman every night in the same bed, mm. that you would need proof. Not really. And if it's Dwayne, it doesn't make any sense because you run in the same circles and you know all the same people. So again, this is the silly thing, the hitman, but we're going to run down the hit theories. Hit theory number one is that Mike set it up. And there are a lot of things that make people think that Mike set up the hit but if he did, he did some really dumb things. The first of which is that there is a four-minute call from his phone to his wife's phone two hours after the 911 call came in. From um, her. From her to the police. That frantic Right, 911 her 911 call. call to the cops two hours later. Uh, yeah, two hours later, there's a four-minute call logged from his phone to her and phone. And we are talking a, a cell phone, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. They are cell phones. When confronted about it, he said that there's got to be a problem with the phone company because what he did is he just let it ring and ring and ring in hopes that she would pick up. And and it just kept rang. Well, yeah. And this is the year 2000 when voicemail was not a default feature on a call plan. You had to enroll and pay for it. Was it? Yes. I worked for, uh, we've, we talked about this a week mm. or two ago. I worked for a phone company at this time, and you had to enroll and pay. Certain plans required you to pay for voicemail. So mm. they probably didn't have voicemail. That could be. And, and Mike might have actually been in one of those stubborn moods where he just said, screw you, I know you're there. I'm just going to set the phone down and let it ring and ring and ring the and The problem ring. is it should yeah. not have registered as a call. Yeah, it shouldn't because it wasn't picked up. Yeah, yeah it wasn't and picked up. Yes. Unless it was picked up by voicemail, but or picked up by somebody. It shouldn't have rung for 4 minutes. Right. It should have well, gotten it, could have been... the, it should have gotten the eventual disconnect from the phone company and not sat there that well, long. Well, although I will say um at least every voicemail I've ever had, the default is that the the voicemail will cut you off after 5 minutes. It'll <laughs> let you leave a 5 minute long message and that's 
the max. So I don't, I don't know what it was at that point, but I guess it's possible he maybe, you know, called and thought he hung up and put the phone down and it rang and it hit voicemail and then it was just a blank message. But even then they should have found, uh, yeah, no, I don't like it. The the cell company should have ended the call after about a minute. That's apparently typical. Yeah. So that's one problem. There, uh, like we talked about, you know, he had he they would have had to have had this the voicemail for what you're talking about for it to have gone through and eventually gotten kicked off. Mm-hmm. I've never seen any records that show the call on Mary's records and Mike's records to show it a real call. Because to me, if it's a real connected call, it should be registered on both phone yeah, A and phone think. B. Yeah, and. I, well, you know, I, I haven't seen that, so I can't cor- can't confirm that that's truly what happens here. But the police are pretty sure that they're that he is just lying through his teeth, because the problem is that he had no reason to think that his wife was missing at that point. Well, unless he had hired a hitman to kill her. <laughs> okay. I'm. Uh, if you're on the side of Mike is innocent and he didn't do it, yeah. it for him to have made a four-minute ringing, I'm going to get your attention, answer the phone call. Mm. He has said, I was distraught and I just let it ring and ring and ring in hopes that she would answer it. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. The other problem is he was at the movie theater with his daughter. Why would he be freaking out? I mean, okay, maybe Mary was supposed to meet them at the theater. And she didn't show up, but sitting there for four minutes, ringing, 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 is pretty extreme. Well, two things. One is I stand by my theory that it's possible that he thought he hung up and he didn't. Yeah. There's that. But except he said that he let it ring that. So he Mm. affirmed that he sat there with a phone to his face for four minutes. Okay. The other thing I'll say is that apparently he was following her with his car because he really didn't trust her. So if he, in his mind had, you know, worked up that she was with her lover Mm -hmm. for him to just be like, again, as Joe said, you know, kind of like, screw you. I know you're there. I'm going to leave this phone ringing while you're, you know, getting it on with your lover because that'll be a distraction and then you'll have to, you know, confront me at some point. I mean, I'm not going to discredit that at all. I can get myself to that insane headspace Mm -hmm. on my most insane hormonal moments, Mm. but I, I mean, it's still, it's not a great theory. And it's a little counter to some of the things that he said. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I totally understand where yeah. you're coming from. Mm-hmm. He said some things that make right. it seem well, that, like I that think, can't be. I think you would, you would say, I thought she was cheating on me, so I let it ring because I was trying to get a hold of her, not, I thought she was missing, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. And uh, um, by the way, her cell phone was found in her car, correct? I can't say yes to that because it's never stated if it was mm-hmm. the case is technically open so uh-huh. of course the records from the police are not available yeah i don't know if indeed her phone was found there uh, i have i was gonna say at one point well i saw a picture of her phone record but except i don't know that that's actually real because as we talked about in the last story that i did it was an unsolved mysteries episode, and any, so I think that's I think yeah. that's some kind of mocked up phone record. Sure. So I have I have no idea. I can't say if her phone was there or not. Yeah, 
But, you know, if he wasn't calling her, if he was calling the hitman, that makes absolutely no sense It's either. the stupidest thing in the world to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, any idiot should know that? better. Well, the hitman, if he has a cell phone, yeah, I'm sure he does. I mean, yeah, the whole idea of calling the hitman on his wife's cell phone is kind of silly. Yeah. Super silly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's keep going forward, though, with the, the mic setup, the, the hit theory. Another thing that makes people finger him as the bad guy is that his wife was known to wear a ring that wasn't on her body at the time that it was found. Now, and this is isn't a, her wedding ring. Not a wedding ring. Not a was wedding her, ring. Was her wedding ring on her, by the way? I don't know that. But it, this was another ring. I have to. I'm, I have to presume it was. But this is, you know, I mean... Women wear multiple rings, sure. and some wear a certain ring all the time, and she was known to wear one of these rings on a regular basis, and it was not there with her body. He reported it missing to the police, but then his daughter was seen wearing that ring several months later, at which point when he was confronted with it, he said that he had found it in the house, and he had just forgot to tell the cops, yeah. which... If you think about this from the angle of a man who has lost his wife and is trying to deal with his grieving daughter and he finds a ring or his daughter finds the ring, he's not going to make a big deal out of it because he's trying to hold his his friggin' life together. Uh, I can see how this is not a big thing to call the cops and say, no. oh, hey, that's that sterling silver ring she wore all the time with the little etching on it. Yeah, we found it. Especially, yeah, he might have not considered it to be all that important. Yeah, that's you know? exactly what I was going to yeah. say, especially if, you know, they said, okay, so what was she usually wearing? And he, you know, would have said, I don't know, she, you know, a, a shirt that looked like this and she often wore this ring and, you know, jeans and probably these shoes and that, you know, and that's, you know, in the heat of the moment when you're worried about your wife, that you say that and then you know months later you find that ring you're not going to think oh the police will want to know about this you're Mm going to just say oh this was a ring that was really special to your mother right you should have it or the daughter finds it and says i found mom's ring Mm -hmm. honey wear the ring take it if it makes you feel if it it helps do it yes do whatever you got to whatever you know hawk it and buy some drugs do whatever you gotta do honey. no No. that's not what happened let's not do that now before people uh you know i've said a couple of statements i feel like maybe i've defended mike a little bit uh i also have kind of beat on him a little bit for the stupid things if he was uh, the one who did this. There's some other things that Mike has done that a lot of people don't like that have put him in the hot seat, number one of which is the fact that he lawyered up almost immediately. Well, yeah. I would. Yeah. If my boyfriend, if he had a life policy, a life insurance policy of, you know, half a million to 700 K and my and then he showed up murdered somewhere I would immediately get a lawyer of course yeah. how often have we seen cases where the husband just innocently walks in and is like okay I'll a- answer your questions and they're the suddenly their prime suspect only to then months later after being drugged through the mud or jailed get, get released with a little sorry <laughs> yeah oh but but we've also seen it go the other way where they walked in, they answered all the questions and the police fingered him and sure as hell, <laughs> they turned out to be the one that was guilty and did it. So you can yeah. see why the cops, but you can also see where he's coming from. So, I mean, like, I get why he lawyered up. Yeah, he absolutely. Also, but he also refused to let the cops talk to his daughter. 
And people were really upset about that because... How old was she? She was a teenager. She was, I think, 14 at okay. the time. Okay. But, but I again, so the cops want to talk to her, and he doesn't let them talk to her for a, a good two months. And I can see that, again, this is the father who is trying to defend his daughter and insulate and protect her, and it's not till a certain amount of time that he feels like she's ready. Or the other side of the camp is this is a man who is responsible, and he is very carefully crafting and curating his daughter's responses and statements to this, the situation. Let's be honest. Like it's both there sides. Was, there's never going to be a winning reaction. I mean, no. we talk about this a lot on this show that the, you know, the spouse or family of people who show up murdered or disappeared, there's not, there's never the right way to react. People are always going to suspect you and people are always going to think you're innocent, no matter what the situation is. And that's just, I mean, unfortunately that's the truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, uh, but yeah, as far as, uh, you know, I don't know, she might have, it could be suspicious, so I don't know. Well, you then know, eventually he, he let her talk, though, so, he did. so whatever she had to say, she got to tell it to the police. So. True, yeah. Uh, he also famously refused to take a polygraph, which I think we've talked ad nauseum about how unreliable polygraphs are, but he also said, listen, I'm on a bunch of medication right now. He's He was taking stuff for the stress and the anxiety and the depression. And he really, I think, probably correctly so, didn't think that the police could adequately calibrate the polygraph to accommodate for yeah, that. Yeah, well, that's fair. In other words, are, I don't think you can. There are yeah. them that say that uh, even without the stress and the drugs, you can't calibrate them because they're kind of voodoo. Yeah. But, you know, there's that, too. <laughs> they are. Yeah. <laughs> So, speaking of voodoo, mm-hmm. uh, currently I have a little voodoo doll of Mike in my hand, and I am yeah. randomly sticking needles in it. Sorry, and Mike. And let me go ahead and stick one more needle in it, which is to talk about his wife's car. Okay. Her car was one was a car that we're really used to this today. You put it in drive, and you start to move, and the doors lock, the auto lock function. That's super common now, but that was not super common in 2000. But people say, well, if his wife was in a car that had possibly been moving, then the doors would have auto-locked, and so there's no way the bad guy could have got into it. So he had to have given said bad guy the key to either get into it when it was parked and hide in the back seat in that old movie trope thing, or have the, the, the beeper and beeper the door open and open the door and got it while she was sitting there parked somewhere and having locked the doors. Well, you know, uh, there's also the possibility that uh, she was actually jumped or approached or whatever outside the car. In fact, based on her 911 call, I have to say that that's exactly what happened because Mm -hmm. if she had been inside the car and come under enough of an attack or a threat or whatever to have a panic call to 911... All she had to do was lock the doors and then reach down under her driver's seat where she had a gun. Mm-hmm. She, you know, so obviously she made that call. She must have made that call from outside the car. Either that or she's just a much flightier person than, than I, I had thought. And yeah, she's and I don't think she's to, nearly as flighty enough, as that makes her yeah, sound. Yeah, dumb yeah. enough to forget that she can lock her car and also she's got a pistol like stored under her seat. Did you, you know? did you say, I may have forgotten, what seat she was in when she was found? Her body I was didn't found? because I don't know. Okay. The passenger door was 
open. Mm. So it gives me the inclination that she was, and she was found lying in the car. So I presume that she was lying across the front seats. Mm. Very okay. possible. Yeah. From, from passenger side, head pointing towards driver's door. Okay. But I also want to, so this is, you brought up something, Joe, that I want to talk about, which is, I don't understand people who just stick a handgun under the seat of the driver's seat like it's going to Velcro itself to the floor and never move. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, things bounce around in cars so much that the I've got a gun under my seat thing is just I've never understood that. If you were, oh, well, I strapped it to something. You actually can like put it in a holster and tie the holster, or, you know, tape duct or duct tape the holster to right. something. There, there's ways to keep yeah, it. Yeah, you do people around. do it on a whether, steering column stuff like that, but it's just like she just to set it, it there. I don't know. Insane. Yeah, yeah, but we we don't know that she had just tossed a loose gun under the seat. We also don't know that she affixed it to anything. Yeah. So that's so like when I talked about you know maybe somebody snuck into the car when she wasn't in it and was hiding there and maybe the gun had rattled backwards. So they're crouched. It's October. They're crouched down in the back of her car it's after five at night, which it's going to be dark. And like, hey, put the hand. Hey, what the hell is? Oh, this is a gun. Nice. Oh, this oh, is nice. way better than the uh, knife I brought with me. Yeah, sweet. Like th- these things, I don't get. It, it does not make any sense. But well, it, it, and it, do you know what kind of gun it was? I want to say it was a thirty-eight. And I have no good reason to say that. For you some know. reason, I think that too. Yeah. So I mean, it's not the biggest handgun in the world, but... Well, you don't know what make or anything uh, like that? No, no. I just remember the caliber being mentioned, and that's about it. Uh. Here's the other thing about her, about this whole her key thing and the auto lock thing. There's a whole bunch of stuff in the news right now as we're recording about people who are being tricked out of their cars by people either laying in the road or putting dummies in the road. I was just going to bring that one up. And tricking someone to get out of their car at which point they ambush them. So it's entirely possible that McGinnis, Mary McGinnis Morris, drives her car somewhere down uh, West Little York, and there's a dummy in the road, and she gets out because she thinks it's a person hurt, and then she is attacked. And maybe that's where the 911 call comes is that she's, you know, I mean, I don't know, but it, it's very plausible. It is, except except for that she had just not so long earlier said that there was a person following her that gave her the creeps. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a woman who is not a registered nurse or, you know, anything like that, I don't, I I have my sense of self-preservation comes mm-hmm. before my sense of pre- preserving other people's lives, but right. I... Especially if I had, you know, a couple hours before been super creeped out by somebody or, you know, however much time I would not minutes. stop minutes. But mm. she was she was also described. Um, Lori Gemmel described it as saying that she was matter of fact mm-hmm. about it. It wasn't. So, as, it wasn't oh, my God, God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This yeah. guy's freaking me. I was like, this guy's giving me the creeps. Even then, though, I would not. And, and I'm a different woman than this woman. is, yes. And that's fair. But. I I wouldn't stop for any, especially, I mean, like, norm, normally I wouldn't stop for anyone. And then especially if I had been observing somebody that was giving me the creeps, I would especially not stop. So when anyone. you got back in your car to after the drugstore and you saw the creepy guy, would you feel around in the seat and find out where the gun was? Probably, but I probably would yeah. have holstered it somewhere, so. Yeah, you wouldn't have it in your seat anyway, no. rattling around. So I believe that's all 
that we've got for this particular theory about yeah. Mike. There's yeah. some Mike more about set Mike. up the hit. There's some more about Mike later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we've also still got to uh, we've got to flesh out the it was a hit, but Dwayne set it up. Okay, let's so do that's, that. So that's that's uh, sub theory no, we're still number on two. The hitman here. Huh? Yeah, we're know. still in the hitman theory. We're okay. still on the hitman that was Mr. Magoo and accidentally killed the wrong woman at first. Correct. Got yeah. the wrong Mary Morris. Yeah. So Dwayne, uh, Dwayne is also super popular all over the internet as being the bad guy. And I will say that he would have known her habits because he worked with her. He knew where she lived because he had been to her house for a party once. But then again, he had, she had been to his house once. So there's this whole thing of maybe the two men had met, met in other words, Mike and Dwayne. But supposedly the man, like I said earlier, the man that she saw in the Eckerd drug was one of Dwayne's friends, which would indicate that that guy was who Dwayne had hired to take her out. That all seems to kind of make sense, except for this massive problem to me of timing. Mary Henderson Morris was killed on a Thursday. Oh, yeah. Dwayne was let go or locked out of the building on Friday. The Friday before or the Friday after? Friday after. No, the day after. Yeah. Henderson is killed on the 12th. McGinnis gets him kicked out of the building on Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. So the whole he hired the hitman thing, like you could see him escalating to people say, well, he got so angry about getting fired that he, he just in a rage hired this person who then he sent back in time, I guess. Yeah. So the, there, the, there's an issue with the timeline there. The uh, So the other thing that I look at with the whole death calendar thing, the uh, death to her if he didn't like her so much, it seems weird, I think we talked about this before, to write that down and to, you know, to make that kind of statement on a calendar. But we also don't know if it's his calendar. And we also don't know if it's even in relation to her. Yeah. Because... I mean, you don't even know that it was written by him. Well, the thing that Even if I, it was his calendar and his desk. What I think about is that they worked in the health industry... And there is such a thing as assisted suicide, and assisted suicide is not legal in the state of Texas. However, the withholding of life-sustaining procedures is acceptable if it's at the patient's request. And I pulled up from that time the, the way that it's worded, because it's a little strange, but I see where the loophole is, yeah. is that it says... The effect of withholding of life-staining procedures, colon, withdrawal or withholding of life-sustaining procedures does not constitute offense of aiding suicide. So it could very well have been that somebody's family came in and said, listen, grandma's been on a ventilator for six months and has not woke up. It's time to turn off grandma's ventilator. And it could have been as simple as that. Well, maybe, except uh, he was working, I assume, just at sort of an employee health office at Union Carbide, right? Mm-hmm. 
So I mean, that's not the kind of place where you got people on like you know ventilators. But they're they're doing health services there. I don't know exactly yeah. what happened at that facility. I'd be very honest with you, Joe. I also don't know if Dwayne only worked in that facility or as part of his job with Union Carbide was to go to other facilities. I mean, no. there's a whole slew of things that death to her could have meant. Uh, what about a concert? That's a no. weird band name, but okay. Is it really though? I mean. Death no, metal? No, actually, it's not. Or a, some of or the a movie. Names. He meant, you know, Death Becomes Her. Yeah. Was, he was going to go see that. Yeah. Somebody. I mean, like. He got it so wrong. It's not that wrong. Death Becomes Her, Death to Her. I mean, you know, it's an unfortunate mistake given the circumstances, but it's not like that weird of a True. mistake. I mean, you know, granted, it seems like he would be saying all these things if any of these were the thing. But... And, and the stuff is the, the fact is is that McGinnis seems to be the one. Uh, okay, I was about to say that McGinnis seems to have been the one that made all the statements about Dwayne. But then I also realized the fallacy in that statement, which is she is the one that died, and therefore all of her friends and family are recounting the things that she had said. Yeah. If we flip the tables, and she had lived, and Dwayne had been hunted down and shot in a supposed suicide position, we probably would have heard flip side things yeah. from his friends and relatives. For sure, yeah. So, I'm going to take that back. I mean, but the, the, the timeline with Dwayne oh, no, I agree with is that. My, my biggest, yeah, it's a bad my biggest difficulty because mm-hmm. it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Unless they're, you know, not connected. Which? There's the unconnected part. Yeah, which is the very next theory. I know. Well, you it's know, like actually, I looked ahead in the script or something. Well, they could be connected in, not, in other ways, so. Now, supposing Dwayne's a very clever guy. You had a problem with the timeline, but supposing... Uh, Dwayne, after this outrageous thing where, uh, you know, basically it looked to me like somebody just tr- was trying to get him fired from his job. Okay. He's angry, goes home, sitting around, drinking a beer, cooling off, and looks in the papers and sees, whoa, Mary Morris died. Hey, cool. And then he reads the article and realizes it's not the same Mary Morris. But then he thinks about it and thinks, wait a second. If I were to knock off my Mary Morris, it would look, you know, let's say, okay, let's pick up the phone. Let's call the newspaper, say they got the wrong Mary Morris. Now I'll go knock her off, and it'll look like a hit gone wrong. So you have made part 1A of the next theory. I will now talk about part 1B, uh. which is very similar. And this one, you, so you have said they're unconnected, but it's Dwayne. I had that it's unconnected, but it's Mike for very similar reasons. Sees that she's been killed. uh, Henderson has been killed. And, ooh, this would be really convenient. And then has his wife knocked off, at which point he can then... Or knocks her off himself. Well, I don't think he can knock her off himself because he's at the movie theater with his daughter. Mm-hmm. So the timeline does, I think, is too too tight for that. Mm-hmm. But he could then begin this this campaign of disinformation and you know mudslinging at Dwayne for what was maybe not such a big deal at the office to his wife, but in the retellings it becomes, as we've seen with retellings, bigger and bigger and bigger to grander scales. So both. It could be unconnected, and one or the other of them could have taken advantage of the just 
random happenstance of a Mary Morris having been killed. But it would be a little different than the Dwayne theory because he, if he hired a hitman, it must, it would have taken a lot longer than just a few days to go find somebody, you know, and have them knock his wife off, right? If if he had not been planning to have his wife killed prior to that, it you're right. Seems like, yeah. But if he had been thinking, I want to get her killed, or he was drinking with a buddy on Saturday afternoon and the dude was like, you give me five grand, I'll kill her. Hey. I'll just yeah. totally kill her. Uh, what's to say Mike didn't call Dwayne up? It's also possible. This is where these theories get so interwoven because like we said, they had met. Yeah. They knew, we, they, they at least in passing knew each other. Mm-hmm. And for differing reasons, they could have wanted Mary McGinnis Morris dead. Yeah. I, the other thing I'm just going to go ahead and throw out here. This is like a throw mama from the train scenario. Well, it's just been yeah. swirling around in my head is that, so we don't know who um, Mary was having the affair with or was not apparent quote unquote we don't. was not. No, I, I've with. never seen the name mentioned. Okay. And so we're, we're pretty sure though it wasn't Dwayne and that this was all a show to keep there from being some kind of problems with HR. As far as I know, it or was not was Dwayne. I had the same thought of could it have been Dwayne and maybe that's what soured things between them. Mm-hmm. But as far as I know, it was not okay. Dwayne. He has not said that. He apparently was in a relationship the whole time. So if it was Dwayne, he had a very good reason to not admit it. Yeah. yeah presumably the police know about this. So. But of course, as usual, they're being piggish about the whole thing. Yeah. And not sharing their <laughs> files with us. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, that that's pretty much the end of that theory. Yeah, we we have. So let's let's go on to what I have as the final theory. Okay, which is that they were completely and totally unrelated. Entirely possible. And when you when I stop and I think about them, and you start to look at the scenes, I don't. I mean, people always say that. Well, it was the hitman and he did this and he did this, but 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 they're not all that related to me. Mary Henderson, we don't know exactly how she was killed, but she was killed, and a couple of things were stolen, we know were stolen, and then she and her car were incinerated. McGinnis Morris, Mary McGinnis Morris, was beaten, gagged, and shot, and left to be discovered, and not burned. But also in her car. But it at at the vehicle is the only real similarity, and in a city that at that time had a population of over two million people, it's not all that surprising that a rather common name of Mary Morris you could have in a weekend two people with the same name being killed. Oh, for sure. It's it's not astronomical. Yeah, not at all. We haven't talked about. Mary Henderson Morris too much in in this last half hour, I'm going to guess, as it's been so far. Let's talk about her for a minute, and let's talk about the reasons that her body may have been treated the way it was. It is entirely possible that something happened at the time that whoever did it wanted to cover up. If you think about 2000, CSI had been on for about a year. The whole country was just obsessed with blood spatter analysis. Like everybody's figuring out how this stuff works. Okay, so what 
would be a motive to abduct a woman? Sadly, rape. Yep. Okay. So what is an easy way to, to hide the evidence of a sexual encounter that was not mutual with a body? Oh, you burn it. Yeah. You, yeah. In, you burn the whole thing and there is not a bit of DNA evidence left over. So to me, but what time? I'm sorry. What time was this? It was like in early in the morning. Uh, she left her house at six. The fire was reported at ten. Okay. So there's time in between oh, yeah, for her to there be is. caught, abducted, just... and and taken somewhere, and then dumped and burned. This is I mean, this is probably not a thing you should say, but it just seems really early in the morning for a crime like that. <laughs> Maybe the guy's been should, up all night. I, I'm sorry, I'm I really shouldn't sorry. laugh, but I, I understand what but you're saying. But for some reason, that just it seems for some too reason early. it seems like the the rapists would all be a, uh, out and about from 9 p.m. on. Yeah, yeah but maybe, it, apparently that's not the case. Maybe this yeah. guy worked the graveyard shift. Maybe, maybe, yeah. or maybe he's just a dude and he woke up and was like, "I'm going to do some raping today." Oh, I, I don't know. I mean. That yeah. sounds hideous, but that's it what is. people do. Yeah. So. So, okay, yeah. Okay, so that to me is a reason why her crime scene would have been treated the, the way that it was. And as for why her wedding ring and purse were taken, but her other jewelry was left behind, well, there may have not been an immediate presumed value to what she was wearing. Maybe she was wearing ceramic earrings and a necklace that didn't have any obvious value. Why take it and then try and figure that out? That's a lot of work. Screw it. That's a gold and diamond, and I know you you have cash in your your purse because she was known to use cash and not credit cards. Mm. So she would have had cash in her wallet, which would encourage somebody to just take the whole damn purse. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes sense. Whereas mm. McGinnis Morris, all of her belongings were there, except possibly for her cell phone. Ex- yeah, except possibly for her cell phone. Yeah. But all of her stuff is there. So like these are. The, the M.O.s to me, the, the motives or the, the, the treatments are very, very different for one hitman I agree. to have done it. I agree, but the other reason that you might try to cleanse a case or a, a crime scene like that is if you have accidentally killed the wrong person and you are trying to cover up that crime as much as possible. There is that. Right? You, you know, go through her wallet and go, oh, oh oops, um, this isn't the right person at all. So you take everything and you burn it. I mean, I don't think it's a great, I, but it I, I, could I doubt be. that the, I doubt that a husband would say, "My wife's name is Mary McGinnis Morris. Please kill Mary McGinnis Morris and make sure you get Mary McGinnis Morris." And here's this photo of us. Look quick, quick. Okay, go get her. You know, the hitman it's, is going to say, um, "It's the ID says Mary H Morris right. or Mary M Morris." Well, more than that, the uh, the hitman's got to know. He can't just, like, go driving around town until he runs across her. Yeah. He's got to know, like, where she lives or where she works or both, preferably. True, true. So and, it's hard to mix the two up. I and mean, they, yeah. they, they cross the, their, their roots of, you know, versus workplaces versus home spaces. There was some intersection between the two. Mm. So it is possible that our Mr. Magoo hitman inadvertently spotted the wrong Mary and said, oh, well, this Mary is supposed to be in this area, so that yeah. must be her. But no, I but... agree with you. It's I think it's unlikely. Yeah. yeah, extremely unlikely. I mean, again, you're going to you're going to Union Carbide to look for Mary, 48, works as a medical director. 39, 39. 39, that's right. I got, I got it mixed up there. 
you're not going to run across the other Mary and say, oh, there goes the other Mary Morris. You have no idea that her name is Mary Morris because nobody's told you anything about her. No. No, and hitmen don't tend to stand out to the the office and say, excuse me, what's your name? What's your name? I got a contract. What's your name? What's your name? Mm -hmm. They don't do that. No. Well, now the the other way they could be related is that imagine that the uh, the killer was actually Mary One's husband, Jay, Jay Morris. That would explain why the body was burned for the first one. Because, first of all, I mean, you've knocked off your wife, and obviously you're the husband. You're going to be the first suspect. So... You know, what do you do? You go knock off another Mary Morris shortly thereafter. Therefore, it's the, immediately people are going to be thinking, hit, got, hit gone wrong. And obviously, the attention is going to shift to Mike and off of you. Regardless of, okay, so now you, you're casting shade on Jay Morris. Mm, okay, but. Just saying but, it's a possibility. But, but, I'm not and I'm not him. going to disagree with that, but, but regardless. I would imagine that, and this is just in my my guesses about this mm. whole thing, as I've already said, I would think that if you were going to off somebody and you were going to dispose of their body, you would do it one way, and the second time you had to do it, you would probably most likely follow the same pattern because people are not that creative. Unless you got interrupted. Yeah, there's that. Well, you don't really need to. I mean, I mean think about why he might have burned the body in the first case. Besides hiding evidence? Well, besides hiding evidence. Okay. He doesn't, because he doesn't need to hide DNA evidence, if, if, assuming that it was his wife. Mm-hmm. But uh, imagine the body hadn't been burned. Then what would he have had to do? He would have had to go down to the morgue and identify the body, correct? Right. And most people, at least if you're a smart murderer, you're going to know your limitations. And you're going to know, I mean, you're going to know whether you actually have any acting ability or not. Now, if you murdered your wife and you got to ID the body, um, you know, you might, this could be one area where you could really get tripped up. Uh, Okay, so I I see where you're going, Joe. Yeah. I I don't, I've never in the reading, and granted, the reading about Mary Henderson Morris is a little less robust than Mary McGinnis Morris, Mm -hmm. but most stuff in there does not indicate that there was any troubles in the marriage or any reasons for him to have done that. But let's not forget that. Yeah, no, there wasn't, but let's not forget. People do things. Well, let's not forget that immediately the whole hip thing gone wrong theory immediately popped up into everybody. That's the Internet's brain. On the second murder, yes. The Internet's brain, the police's brains, everybody. And so that really took the heat off of Jay. Big time. And so there might have been some stuff going on. Who the hell knows? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you don't know what's going on. I mean, I've known people who seem very, very happily married, and, well, they're divorced now. Yeah. I mean, that stuff happens. And so, again, I'm not accusing Jay of anything, but this is a, a much-neglected theory. Yeah, well, That it, does it, explain a few things, because, again, the whole hitman theory, when you think about it, really doesn't make any sense. So the, the other thing about the hitman theory that doesn't work is that there does appear to be an angle of theft in Mary Henderson Morris's death mm. because six months after her death, Jay started getting a bill from her calling card, because this is back in the days when you had a calling card mm. to make long-distance calls, to the tune of $2,000. The cops track it down. Some teenage girl has that card. She says, I found this purse in this parking lot in Galveston. She uh, she uh, apparently then gave the purse to a friend. The police go to that friend who has the purse, it does not obviously have any of Mary's stuff in it. 
you know, this person has just chalked all that stuff. Mm. But they then, here's the weird part, is they then turn around and they go to Mary Henderson Morris's family and they say, hey, is this her purse? And they all say, no, she, she didn't own that purse. Either A, it and nothing has ever been put out there that if anybody ever asked Mary McGinnis Morris's family if it was her purse, or B, it could be some weirdo robbery killer guy who he took her, her stuff, you know, mm. her wallet or her cards or whatever, and tossed it into the next purse or the prior purse that he had stolen and then eventually just did a big dump and dumped it in a parking lot and left. Because Galveston is less than... It's like 20, 10, 20 miles away. It's it's super close. No, it's not. Incon- Actually, I don't even think it's that far away. It's, but yeah, it's not inconceivable that somebody could have rooted around in her purse, taken out any items of possible value to him, and he didn't see any particular value in something like, say, a calling card. Mm-hmm. So he just left it. Somebody else came along and actually took that. You know, but so. but it's it's the differences in purses. That's that's the thing. Well, where I mean, Henderson's Henderson have to start. At, it didn't have to stay in the same purse. It can, it can migrate from one purse to another. And to that's another. what I'm saying, yeah. though. So it's but it's it's a weird thing where suddenly six months later it pops up. Jay also started getting weirdo phone calls asking for his wife a couple months after she died. Mm-hmm. Though the cops trace those to an apartment complex and as soon as he he stopped saying she's not here and started saying, oh yeah, you can find her at and gave the sheriff's department's phone number, the guy stopped calling. So, I mean, like, somebody tortured him. To a degree, I feel like Jay got jerked around, mm-hmm. and that, I don't know whether uh, that's in relate that that's directly connected to his wife's death or not, because there are sickos out there who just think that it's fun to do that. Yeah, I don't know. There sure are. Could have been somebody like me who just concluded that he was a real murderer and decided and to decided harass him to a torture bit. him. Yeah, it could be to try and shake it out of him. Yeah. yeah. Don't and you again, need to stop doing that? Yeah, and and again, just 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 for the sake of whatever, uh, you know, that's just a theory. I had no, I'm not accusing. Yeah, Jay no, of I don't think Jay. I don't think Jay's in. There's way all involved. kinds of random possibilities in this one. That's all of the theories that we have for this episode, or for this story, I should say. Mm-hmm. I guess we should give everybody the fun, interesting. They've been waiting this entire time for details, which is the stuff about us, because mm. I know you want to know about. Us. Mm. So to talk to us. Actually, we probably want to know more about me, Joe. So to talk to Joe, you can send an email to Joe at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. You have to stop talking like that. I know. So that's our email address where you can send questions, comments, concerns, just about anything we will respond to. We have all of our stuff available on our website, so that is the episodes, as well as some of our research for this and all episodes. That website is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes, where you can subscribe and rate. Uh, You can find us on most of the streaming sources, whether that be Stitcher or Google or wherever. And if those sites allow you to rate and review, please do. We're on social media, so we are on Twitter, where we're thinking sideways. We are also on Reddit. We have a uh, thread or a forum. What? Why Subreddit? can I? Subreddit. Thank you. Why can I never remember what Reddit does? 
It is <laughs> that. Yeah. It turns out I grew a beard and I realized how much white there was in it. And my wife said, oh, you look like Santa Claus. And I said, oh, damn. You're not, um, you're not quite the Santa territory yet. I, I know. Think, so. I was really disturbed by when she. I was like, wait, you're saying I'm getting that fat? Crap. <sighs> you're not quite there. We are also on social media. We are on Facebook. So we have the Facebook page and the Facebook group. So like the page, join the group. Lots of good conversations going on in there. We have on the website links to merchandise. So we have shirts, we have mugs, we have stickers. All that stuff is available. You can find it on the right-hand panel through both Zazzle and or Redbubble, depending on what you're buying. It's all there. And that's really uh, all the, the, the fun details, unless you want to talk to Joe, at which, which point you will send an email directly to Joe at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com yeah. for Joe. Please put yeah. in the subject line, for Joe. Yeah. And expect to not get a response for two weeks. Well, from yeah, Joe. True. You'll get one sooner than that. Ah, you know, if you're a chick anyway. Uh, Uh, All right. uh, All right. Well, everybody, we are going to go ahead and uh, wrap this one up and call it it a night. And we will talk to you next week. See you next week. Next time I'm going to get it right the first time. (sighs) Oh, my God. Bye. It's like he had a pair of them. You don't always do it. I know. It's bad. Practice makes perfect. (laughs) 